Welcome to the Faith Today podcast, conversations inspired by Canada's Christian magazine. Do it afraid. That is just one of the nuggets I took from my conversation with author, speaker, and spiritual coach, Grace Fox. Grace's most recent book is a devotional called Finding Hope in Crises, Devotions for Calm in Chaos, which seems like a very good fit for the reality in which we have all found ourselves in recent months. I'm Karen Stiller, and I hope you enjoy this warm chat with the encouraging and hopeful Grace. Grace, the uh, the title of your devotional is Finding Hope in Crisis, Devotions for Calm in Chaos. And it strikes me that we really are in a bit of a chaotic time right now. And, and on the back of the book, it says, crisis strikes and throws us into survival mode. We need encouragement from God's word, but it's difficult to recall what day it is, let alone read and remember a lengthy Bible passage. I'm sure you didn't write this devotional with a pandemic in mind, but it does feel very COVID-y to me. So I wondered if you could tell us first how you personally have been staying encouraged and hopeful during this time, and then we'll pull out a bit from there. Sure. Yeah, during this time, uh, I I have maintained the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines that I've had all along, but you know, staying in the word. So personally, I get up early in the morning to stay in the word. I know that if once I get going in my day, if I haven't been in the word already, I don't, I don't take time to return to it. And so it's staying in the word because I know that I need to focus on the truth or the, the what ifs are going to take over in my head. And so in order to prevent that from happening, I just bank on the truth and stay in those promises. And Second one is staying connected with my family. Uh, all my kids live long distances away, so we don't have that little bubble, you know, that people who can have if they're local. But just trying to stay connected with my kids and with other long distance family, but also staying connected with friends. And so whether that's <laughs> Zoom or the phone or whatever, most of the time it's Zoom, and staying connected with others for fellowship. So. We haven't been able to go to church more than I think my husband and I have been in our church. I would say maybe twice since a year ago, January, because our right. schedule for ministry was so busy that we were just we were attending the missions conferences on weekends and visiting staff and that type of thing. And then, the you know, then the pandemic hit. And so uh, we do a watch party for church on Sunday mornings, which is, which is good to stay connected with people that way, not just watching the service and then going on, on our way, but staying connected to people through the watch party. And also I lead a, a women's zoom Bible study every Tuesday night, but I'm also part of a Bible study that I'm not leading. So that's a whole different group of women another day each week, <clears throat> but I'm also staying fit. I'm finding that too. If I, we live on a sailboat, very, I don't know, a couple hundred square feet here with my husband. And if I don't get outside and walk and move and get fresh air, I, like it wouldn't go well for me. Right. So I, I am trying to just stay fit as best I can too. So let's unpack a few of those things. Um, you mentioned spiritual disciplines, keeping you grounded and healthy during this time. And of course, the daily devotional time. And I mean, your latest book, and you've written others, uh, is a daily devotional. And you talked about if you miss that time, you tend not to go back and claim it again. I'm one of those terrible failures at maintaining a daily devotional time. Like I have at times, it's not unlike my relationship with a gym, <laughs> to be honest. I'll go gangbusters and then I'll fall off the edge of the cliff. I tell myself that 
it's still helping and it's still contributing. And so I guess uh, my question to you is, how does it account for sort of different personalities and temperaments? And because I think I rejected the idea of a perfect cookie cutter daily devotional time, but maybe I'm just making excuses. So could you speak to that, Grace? Yeah, I don't think there is a perfect cookie cutter devotional time or or a method of reading the Bible. That's why there are so many different uh, suggested programs out there for reading the Bible. But I believe that God has created us as unique individuals, and he wants to relate to us through the way he's created us. And so that's why even when I teach workshops on prayer, I say, connect with God in your unique way, the way he's created you. And so I find for myself, Karen, that I can sit here and I can read. And there are seasons and times where my needs and my abilities to, to what, do you, what would I say? The, the way I do my quiet time is different in different seasons of life. And so there were several years where I did the read a Bible through the year And I love that. I love to see how the Old Testament connected with the New Testament and the Psalms. It just seemed like it just fit together so beautifully. But then I started with this other women's Bible study that I was a part of, not leading, on Wednesday mornings. And we we worked through a study together. And then I found I didn't have time to do my read through the Bible in a year and the study. It was just too much for me to take in. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do this just for the sake of got to get it done, you know, because that's what good Christian women do. Because I couldn't remember what I was reading then. What's the point? So I just switched to the study and did that for a long time. And now we've been off that for a little bit. We're going to resume again because we took a break. And so I picked up my own Bible again and got a new version of Read Through the Bible in Year. And I've just been enjoying that so much. But you know what? When I was a young mom with three little kids, there's no way on earth I could ever do a long passage. And so during that season of my life, I would pray in the mornings, God, just give me, teach me one new thing about yourself. Just one new thing. That's all I ask. And if I read one verse a day or two verses in a day, that's all I could do. And you know what? That was okay. And so I really believe you have to find what works for you and something is better than nothing. Yeah. But I'm also one that has to keep moving. If I sit down to pray, I'm going to fall asleep. Doesn't work for me. And my mind's thinking about the grocery list and all the different things I need to do on my to-do list. So If I want to stay focused in prayer, I have to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And when we lived, we live on a boat, like I said, when we lived in a a larger home, I would walk in the house, even if it was lousy weather outside. But now I I have to do what works for me here. And so I'll bundle up warm and go for a walk to stay alert. And I'll talk out loud to stay focused. But you don't walk on water, right, Grace? Don't walk on water. I haven't figured that (laughs) one out yet. So your your sailboat is docked or moored or whatever you say. It is. We're tied to the dock. And, you know, some people will say, oh, you're living the dream. And how wonderful is that? And I think, yeah, no, we're not living a dream. And, you know, the last two Januaries, um, it froze. So we're living on the Fraser River. And there were hunks of ice floating down the river and scraping on the hull. And I kept envisioning the Titanic, you know, hitting the iceberg and going down. And, and then one winter, our our heater broke. And so we were just freezing for two weeks till it could get fixed. And it's not a dream. And we did it because we felt God was asking us to do this. It's a call. And that's what keeps me here. So we're here until God says you're done. But he's just opened up wonderful opportunities for ministry in, in this marina with a people group that we never would have had association with otherwise. 
Wow. Um, I would like to go back to a couple of things you said. One, twice you've mentioned that two women's Bible studies, one you lead and one you participate in. And I wondered if you could talk about the difference for you leading a Bible study and secondly, participating in it. Like what is the role of a leader for you? Mm -hmm. So when I say I'm leading it, um, uh, the first, I started doing this because of the pandemic. It's because of the need for connection again and for fellowship. And so I started the first one at the end of July last year and uh, we went seven weeks. I just put it out there on Facebook and through my monthly newsletter, just saying, hey, I'm going to do this. And it's based on the book that I wrote, Moving from Fear to Freedom. I'd already done a DVD years ago, uh, a seven-week teaching DVD, and I had published a workbook to go with it. And lots, you know, hundreds of groups had used it. But I thought, I'm just going to teach it myself. And so instead of using the DVD, I sat here at my kitchen table and recorded fresh updated teaching and then I would send that link to the women they'd watch it and then we'd get together every Tuesday night and discuss it and go into breakout rooms and and it was great and then the next one was all about changing our lives by changing our thoughts based on Romans 12 too and I wrote that curriculum week by week and sent the women the questions I would do the teaching again and send the women the questions and it five days worth of study for them every week for seven weeks Wow. So, so as a leader, I was the one providing the teaching, writing the curriculum and so on and so forth and kind of training facilitators so that they could lead the breakout rooms. But when I'm a part of a Bible study, I'm not the one who's in charge. I'm the one who is, it's more of a peer to peer thing. And somebody else is taking the leadership. It's all good for me. I can sit back and enjoy that teaching and enjoy the interaction with the other women. But it's like, instead of giving out, I'm filling my tank too, so that I have more to give out in other ways. Yeah, okay. That that makes sense. I've been thinking lately, I guess, about uh, leadership style and Bible study and so on. And that, you know, so often we're always learning from each other and that by being sort of vulnerable and transparent, we welcome that from others as well. And I'm, I'm sure that you find that in your, in the groups you lead too. And you're, I think a very vulnerable writer. I think you share very openly about struggles and weaknesses and so on and how God uses those weaknesses to help us grow stronger and closer to him. So I'm sure that transparency really helps the women that you are ministering to. Yeah, I, I just have so enjoyed this, these Zoom Bible studies that I've been able to lead. And seriously, Karen, it was a step out in faith. I felt like the Lord was saying, do this to connect with women out there who need that kind of connection. And I did it afraid. That would be my little phrase too, is do it afraid. Oh, I like that. If, if God asks you to do something, you don't have to figure it all out at the beginning. I seriously didn't even understand how all of Zoom worked. I didn't have a pro program that would let me go 40, more, more than 45 minutes. But when I put it out there, without even thinking those details through, I did it, trusting that God would provide what I needed to do the job. And sure enough, one woman stepped up and she said, do you have a pro program? And I said, no. And she goes, I'd like to pay for that. And I would also like to provide my services as your techie person so that you can concentrate on leading the group and I'll look after the waiting room and looking after recording it and that type of thing for you. Well, thank you for that, right? So that was a huge thing. Yeah, that is wonderful. between the studies, the women said, we don't want to stop. How can we stay connected? Because now we've got such a nice community developed. And so between the studies, we 
we share a testimony on Tuesday nights or or we'll have a little bit of other teachings. We just started back into it, and the first week we met was talking about a focus word for the year. Do you have a focus word? Or do you have a scripture verse that you're claiming for the year? Or do you have an impossible prayer that you're thinking on for this year? Let's talk about that. And that's what we did. It was great, just having that kind of community. So you've been involved in women's ministries for years, for a big chunk of your ministry life, it seems like. Tell me how you think women's ministries has changed or evolved over the years, or or has it? Does a women's conference today, when those happen again, assuming they do, look the same as they did 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Yeah, I think um, women's conferences... In some ways, there, there's a pattern, perhaps, that they followed because you have your keynote speakers and then you have breakout sessions. And that, that's a pattern that I've seen for years ever since I started into this. And it's been about 18 years now. Women's retreats, maybe, you know, three-day retreats, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Those, I think, they're really trying hard to reach a broad spectrum of women and meet their needs. Rather than having the keynote speaker and then crafts, you know, <laughs> making cards, that type of thing, or right. work, they still will have a craft if, if for people who are interested in that. Sure. But I've been at retreats, especially out here in the West, in British Columbia, where they have breakout sessions for axe throwing. Like, how cool is that? So they've got something for everybody. The last one I was at, there was a workshop taught by a mental health professional on depression. And okay. how do you deal with that? And also suicide, like that's huge, especially with what we're going through now. So equip us, right? I love it that they're that they're seeking to equip us for helping our neighbor or helping our kids who are struggling with heavy duty issues like mm-hmm. that. Or helping ourselves. Same, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not just about doing a, a nice little craft to take home. It's, it's hey, we're dealing with some really rough stuff and we need to know how to get through that. Yeah. But throw in the workshop for a Zumba and get these women who, who want to move, you know, just sure, connecting sure. with that or throw an axe. Well. Yeah, throw an axe. Yep. Go on a hike where you have to take bear spray along. <laughs> in your coaching work, you talk about people being blocked from maybe praying boldly, if I can say that, or or really looking for their goals. And you mentioned earlier about a, a word for the year or an impossible prayer for the year. Tell us what you think stops a lot of people from, I don't know, really stretching themselves. Like I see it in writers that I work with sometimes, uh, uh, kind of stuck in one place or maybe not sometimes even willing to do the work even. Sometimes that's an issue. What do you think is a common block for a lot of us? I can say from my own personal experience, it's fear. That's what I Mm -hmm. think. Uh, The fear of failure. And so if we remain in our safe place, if if we remain in that place where we know we can do something and, and be okay at it, then we're willing to do that. We're willing to stay there. Because if getting better or more skilled Trying something new means stepping out of that place where we know we can do it. We're afraid that we're going to fail. And if we fail, others are going to perceive us as inadequate or or even our own fear of inadequacy is another hindrance to us, right? But if others see us fail, what will they think of us? And we don't want them to think less of us. So we're going to stay where we know that we can 
we can be okay at what we're mm. doing. So how do you push people to move through that or past that? How do you encourage them? And I go back to that little three word phrase and I say, do it afraid. Because if, we, if we're not willing to step out into new things, try things that we're not comfortable with, we're never going to know what we're capable of. It, it's like when I did the Zoom Bible study, when I stepped out into that in the end of July last year, I did it afraid. I had no clue how that was going to work. I had this thing inside me that was like, oh, nobody's going to even sign up. What am I going to do if nobody signs up? Then I'm going to feel like nobody wants me. I have nothing left to offer. And I, I went through that whole gamut of wrong thinking. But I, I came back to the, the nugget of it, you know, and it was, is God asking me to do this? If he's asking me to do this, then the only answer that I can give him is yes, or I'm walking in disobedience. And do I want the fullness of what he has for me or not? Yes. Yeah. Okay, then do it afraid. And when I stepped out into the big unknown, he provided me with what I needed. And it took me several weeks of, you know, doing this and teaching what to, to really feel comfortable and to get over that fear of making a mistake while I was sitting in front of these women. And in the end, more than 80 women registered wow. and it just blew me away. It blew me away. But I had to take that step, take that first step. And so I would encourage people just take the first step and see where it goes. Yeah. You know, when you said wrong thinking, I immediately in my mind thought real thinking, <laughs> you know, that I think so many of us feel that way. And this, uh, you know, the term imposter syndrome comes to mind. I've, I've been to lots of writing conferences or, or whatever, and met people who seem wildly successful in the eyes of lots of people. But when you peel back the layers, they often are also feeling like imposters and, you know, sharing those same insecurities. So it's wonderful to be able to confess that to each other. And that helps, I think. It helps to have that kind of conversation, Karen. When we say, you know what, let's stop pretending to be something that we're not. Let's yeah. just be real. Here's where I'm at. And I think that's what's happened with the, like the Bible study is that there's community developed and there's trust developed. And that's, where we need to get. And I think in that community of writers, there's a whole lot of comparison that goes on. And we would never admit that we compare ourselves with other writers, but we do. Uh -huh. And we look at the others and we go, wow, look at what she can do. Wow. I wish I could write like her. Yeah. I, I say, I've been there. I've done that. And I'm realizing the older I get and the longer I do this, the more I realize what a trap that is. And when I feel myself slipping into that, I have to say, just stop it. Just stop it. Run the yeah. race that God's put before you. Don't fall into that trap because it'll only lead to feeling better than others. And then there's pride or right. I, or I feel lesser than others. And then there's discouragement and why even bother? Cause what I do doesn't really matter. And then I feel like Eeyore and develop that kind of an attitude. And why go there? Right. We just need right. to run the race that God's put before us, cheer others on in the race that they're, that they're struggling to run to. And get on with it. Yeah. Why be Eeyore when you can be Piglet? Hey, that's right. You know, and I, the, the older <laughs> I get to, I'm thinking, time is too short. There are too many hurting people out there. Jesus is coming back. And we need to be out there being the light that, that we are meant to be. We're supposed to be on mission. So let's just stop with the stuff that Satan would throw our way to, to hinder us from being who 
God has meant us to be and, and getting on with the mission he's given us to do. Let's just get on with it. Grace, I feel like you've probably just <laughs> done this, but I'm going to ask you as we wind up to leave people with, a, you know, a word of encouragement during these you know times, which hopefully we're emerging out of. I mean, we're not going to be living like this forever, but what would you say uh, to someone who is just feeling kind of blue or hasn't quite reached the moment of do it afraid? Yeah. One thing that I have found really helpful when I've needed cheering up or when I've needed, when I've realized that my thinking is a little bit skewed and I need to, to fix it is I take a piece of paper and fold it in half. And on the left side, write down the thoughts that are going through my head and you're, they're probably negative thoughts at that point. And so I need to write those down. Sometimes it helps to just see them in black and white. Why am I thinking this? These are the thoughts that are there I'm not going to try to cover them up. I'm not going to try to deny them. I'm just going to look at them and say, what's the root of this? And then on the other side of that half sheet of paper, you know, get into the word and write down the truth, the corresponding truth to that, that wrong thought, that inaccurate thought that I've been focusing on. The more we focus on what's inaccurate, that thing is going to take up real estate space in our brain and it's going to become bigger and bigger and bigger in our focus. But if we can change that mode of thinking to focus on the truth, it will transform who we are. It, it'll change Romans 12 too, right? Where we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so to focus our minds on the promises of God, and if we have to write them out on recipe cards and stick them all over our house or post-it notes wherever we're going to see them frequently, then let's just do it. But get our mind filled with the truth and the promises of who God is and his presence with us and how he wants to strengthen us and fill us with hope that will keep our feet on that firm foundation. Beautiful. Thank you, Grace. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Check out more podcasts and subscribe to Faith Today magazine for free at faithtoday.ca. This podcast is produced by the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. If you enjoyed it, please rate or share it.